Hello, this is Josh McCowan from Renault Winery Resort, and we have a very important announcement from Matt Sorensen about Learn and Grow, August 24th. Take it away, Matt. I'm Matt Sorensen from Directed IRA. I'm excited to be the keynote speaker at the Learn and Grow event for Accountable Equity on August 23rd and 24th. Got to book your tickets and get registered. I'm excited to be there and to meet you in person. Hi, this is Robert Kiyosaki, and you're listening to Capital Hacking. This is the most important thing you can listen to today. Welcome back to the big show. Josh McCallan here with my extremely incredible talented host, John Edwin. Oh, that, you, you are so kind. You are the talent, buddy. I, you know, guys, we we often uh, talk about the guys that we interview, and we're about to do that. But I will say that listening to this podcast, I am honored to be on with the talented Josh McCallum because he asks questions that don't even come to mind for me. <laughs> so Dude. the information that you gain from his questions are simply uh, extraordinary. And well, we that's very kind because Brad yeah. Mullen did it. Yeah. Brad Mullen brought the heat today. Brad, Brad, Brad's a good friend of ours. The guy is an amazing human being, and he really brought some some awesome knowledge in different areas. That's true. He's a um, you know sometimes people call these these gentlemen and ladies serial entrepreneurs, but I I never find that to be a positive expression. And but I think there's got to be a better expression when you talked about Brad because. We got to know Brad through, yes, Go Abundance, so many uh, good people John and I have met there. But I also met him because he was a generous soul. He came to one of our charity golf outings and helped out the children in need of adoption, and he was very kind, he and Beth. So I have forever will be indebted to him for all the work he did to help us. But he also, um, he's just a real role model for everybody who's who wants to see the world differently. What I loved about his story, John, was – he he his grandfather had a small business and he knew he wanted to take it over so he he designed his college career so he could help join his grandfather's business that's yeah. very cool yeah. but later left after he finished doing what he promised to do he he started two other great businesses to the point where he's like a multidisciplinarian entrepreneur and one of the things we talked a lot about is being able to build a platform once you learn how to build a business, then you start to say, how else can I serve these people? And I'm of all the things he's done from house flipping to real estate, I was so curious about the medical billing practice and medical revenue creation that he does for, uh, for doctors. Yeah, it was cool how he, uh, his, um, his significant other is Beth, is Beth and she's like really, really talented in that space but just didn't want to take the leap. So you'll li- I'm not going to give it away, but you'll listen how she actually took the leap into becoming a business owner with yep. Brad. Uh, the, the way he explains this is what we try to get across a lot of times in the show is that human capital, when you see it, when you ha- either you have it or a teammate has it or a colleague or an investment partner you can invest in, there's so many great things that can come when you invest in other people's talent. And I think he did a great job with that. And I think the future is very bright. So you're going to dig in, and we're going to enjoy this show together. Brad, can't wait to hear you, buddy. 
Let's go. I'm excited about having Brad Mullen on the show, John. Thank you for recruiting the world-famous Brad Mullen and uh, having him on the big show. Absolutely. You know, it's it's Brad 3.0, and uh, Brad has become a, a good friend of ours, and we're really excited to have you on our show, Brad. Can you give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, I'm located in uh, northeastern PA. I guess it's considered uh, about an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes northwest of Philly. Um, 30 minutes directly west of Allentown. And, uh, I, I own several small businesses in my local community. Um, I started in investments. I was a finance major in college. I knew that when I graduated, I wasn't going to have the opportunity to take over my grandfather's small investment firm, um, which I did. And, after a few years of doing that, I realized it's not what I wanted to do. <laughs> um, so I ended up selling that. I had a client that I would meet with every so often to go over his portfolio. And I handled his 401k for his company. And um, we talk about his asset allocation. And, you know, we'd spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes talking about that. And then another hour talking about his real estate holdings and kind of piqued my interest. I'm like, this real estate gig um, seems like a lot more interesting than what I'm doing. So I ended up, uh, his name is Joe Schofstall, and I tell him every time I see him that he created this monster. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up buying my first property in 2007. Um, it was a flip, and the money I made on that, I bought three more, and uh, that's kind of how I got started. And then the bottom fell out of the market and I didn't do anything for a while. I actually sold my investment business, was going through a divorce, um, got real cynical about a lot of things in life, was going to join the military and just get out of Dodge. Um, it never happened. Um, and uh, I was still flipping houses, just you know, one at a time, do most of it myself. And I had a friend that moved back from New Orleans that was in construction and we got to talking and I'm like, man, I wish I could just do this full time. Um, at the time I was, I took a corporate job with uh, Deca Battery as a financial analyst built, building their divisional P&L. And uh, I pretty much completed that project and knew the corporate world just wasn't my, just wasn't my jam at all. Um, I had to get back to something more entrepreneurial. And uh, he was like, just quit your job, man. We'll just start this construction company and we'll do flips when we're not busy in the winter. We'll keep our guys busy. Um, very carefree individual. And uh, you know, we're pretty much yin and yang, him and I, <laughs> um, in that regards. But we, uh, I quit my job, got my real estate license um, before I quit my job because I just thought we were going to do all these flips together. And I was kind of fed up with my experience working with realtors. Um, I just felt like I worked with a bunch of door openers most of the time and they didn't bring a whole lot of value to the table and I uh, got my real estate license. Um, was all excited about this new venture and it didn't go the way I planned at all. Um, we're still friends, um, but we amicably decided to go different directions and I left the construction world and had my real estate license with nothing left to do. So, I had a friend call me around that time. He's like, Hey, I want to buy a house. I know that you're involved in real estate. 
he didn't know I had my real estate license, but he knew I was investing and flipping and whatnot. So um, I said, yeah, sure. Here's someone you can call that can show you houses. Um, I didn't even think of representing anyone else at that point. And like an hour later, I called them back and I said, hey, I have my real estate license. I can show you houses. And that's how it started. It was, uh, man, I think it was a $60,000 house. Um, that was my first real estate sale. And then uh, I decided this is going to be my full-time thing. And then uh, my first six months, I did $2 million in sales. And I think last year we did almost $50 million. Nice. Um, finishing year nine. So um, I went from just me to having more business that I could handle to hiring one person to help me out and making her my buyer's agent. And then we still had more business than we could handle. And then we hired more office staff. And now I have 15 people that work on my team right now. So um, that's my story and how I got involved in real estate. It all happened because I sat across the table with Joe Shoffstall and he shared what he was doing in real estate and a light bulb just went on in my head. Um, and what was your New Orleans friend's name? His name's Dan, Dan Fetzer. He lives in Mississippi right now, still doing construction, doing pretty well from what I understand. Um, very talented guy. Um, more talented than most people in that field. And I think he was frustrated with me because on the job site, I couldn't keep up with him. <laughs> and on the business side, we had kind of like the an inverse relationship there. Um, so um, it was just kind of, it was just didn't work for whatever reason, but I'm glad we're still, we're still good friends, even though we're far apart. Um, but yeah, right, I, I've, I, I've, had, I, I've had multiple partners since then too. So I've actually done pretty well on the partnership side. Some people struggle with that, but I, right now I have four or five partners um, in different businesses and uh, yeah, I'm grateful for that. I love the story that uh, you told your friend to call another agent when you had your license <laughs> and then thought about it, call, called him back and said, uh, you know, I, I can help you out. That That's a great story. Um, what was the moment of, because I, I think a lot of people uh, want to maybe leave their W-2, but they feel like they're handcuffed. What was the moment uh, for you where you were like, you know what, I'm, I'm burning the ships? Um, I was making at that point, it was, it wasn't, it wasn't a lot. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I have a, I have a double major college degree, business administration and, and finance. And here I am making, you know, 50, 60,000 a year. Um, and I just knew that there was no way that was my trajectory in life was to slowly work my way up a corporate ladder. Um, it just didn't felt right for me. It just, it just wasn't, uh, just wasn't my passion. Um, just punching a clock. I just couldn't do it. And that was the only two years in my whole adult life, actually, that I had a W-2. So when I came out of college, I I was self-employed. Um, I was a 1099 independent contractor, basically, for the investment firm until I took it over. But um, it was all on me to produce. And it didn't matter how hard I worked in that corporate environment. Um, 
I was basically tied to a cubicle. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't going, I wasn't going where I knew I could go. So um, Brad, Brad, I want to just, I'll summarize some cool lessons that I've already picked up. And that is, first of all, you had a vision during college that you would be buying your grandfather's business. So that probably kind of changed your perspective, even in college. How did your grandfather feel uh, when you took it over and how's he doing now? Is he still with us? He actually sadly passed away this year. Um, he would have been 88 last week. But uh, he was on his way out of that okay. business. And uh, he actually came to me. I forget what year it was. It was like October, maybe 2015 or 14. And he said, I'm retiring at the end of the year. Do you want to take over my business? And I was like, what? <laughs> well, it's like two months from now. And um, I did. Um we made it happen. Didn't I didn't have any money. Um, I probably still owe money for it to this point, but um, yeah, I took it over and uh, I, I, I switched to a, a fee-based practice, kind of changed the business a little bit. Uh, when I was on my, I was ready to be out of there. I'm sorry. I'm way ahead of, this was 2005, not 2015, 2000. Oh, okay. Yeah. 2005, 2008. I was already ready to go into real estate full-time or do something different. And then the market crashed and I, I could not leave my clients at that time. That's right. I thought that would look really bad. <laughs> um, so as much as I knew that wasn't my future, I, I cared about uh, the people that put their trust in me. And uh, I hung on for another two years and slowly transitioned somebody else into my role to take that over. Um, and then I, then I left. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, I've learned, you know, that my finance background and the, my experience in flipping houses and my experience with running a construction remodeling company, all those things have basically primed me for being excelling in real estate. Um, I agree with that. I can I go into a house and I can, I can build a house from the ground up. Uh, my brain can't tell my hands how to do it, but I know everything, every step along the way. And I know what I'm looking at. So when I go into, you know, I have, when I would go into a house with a potential buyer, um, you know, I was a wealth of resource to actually know what I was looking at and could advise them on, on things that I've saw potential issues and stuff like that. So, uh, and I kind of knew what it costs to do things. I feel like, well, you know, we hate this kitchen, but we, you know, don't know if we can afford to put a new one in. I'm like, well, I actually know how much it's going to cost. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's a good resource there. So Brett, Brad, uh, you had mentioned that you got into real estate and you were flipping properties. Um, so I have a few questions here for you. How many properties did you flip in the beginning? And then I know you're also holding quite a bit of real estate. Uh, when was the transition for you where you're like, okay, uh, I'm flipping these properties, I'm getting great seed money, but it probably makes more sense to hold real estate and let that equity build and build the passive income. So how many properties did you flip? How many are you holding now? And where was the transition from flipping to holding? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who have already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. You can fill out the contact form. We'll get right back to you and see if this is a great fit for you and your family. We'd love to meet you. We look forward to learning about you. Please visit us at accountableequity.com. Hey, this is Matt Sorensen, author of the Self-Directed IRA Handbook, CEO at Directed IRA. You're listening to the best podcast, the Cap Hacking Podcast. That's a tough question. Um, I, I would, in the beginning, I probably maybe flipped a dozen or so. Um, it wasn't, a, it wasn't a whole lot. Now I'm, you know, up until this year, I was doing 10 to 12 at a time. Um, I've right now I'm just trying to get what I have on my plate off my plate. Um, I'm not really looking for anything new at the moment, but um, I don't know. I just look at property by property. If it made more sense to hold it, I would hold it. If it made more sense to, to flip it, I would flip it. Um, you know, I didn't have a set metric that I went by, but if I could get more cash flow, you know, in a few months, then I could in holding it for 10 years, I think I would get rid of it. Um, it made more sense to me to do that at that time. Um, and, you know, and now my, my outlook on what I buy is, is totally different. Um, I'm not even, if it's not going to change my life, I'm not interested in it. That's kind of where I'm at right now. That's a good place to be. That's, that's my litmus test for if yeah. I get involved in anything new. Is it going to change my life or is it going to change the life of others, you know, in a positive way? And if it's not going to do that, I'm, I'm not interested. I like it. I like that approach. How many um, units are you currently holding? I think about 90. 90 units. So yeah. that's that's fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then, and, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, I have partners on a lot of those. Um, I probably own, I might own 40 on my own, but I have partners on the rest. Yeah. That's great. And then you own a, a few other businesses too, right? Uh, you got into laundromats. What got you into that business? Uh, so this isn't that exciting. Um, it was just a piece of real estate that I wanted for years and it could never buy because it, it had over a million dollars in liens on it. Um, and it was probably only worth maybe 300 at the time. I might've overpaid for it a little bit, but I paid about 300 for it, I think. Um, and we, I tried to get a tax sale for years and it never went cause all the liens were, it was just too messy. And then the bank called me and said, Hey, we got this cleaned up. If you want to buy it, we want to sell it. Um, so I bought that and I made a deal with them on another one. I said, well, if you're going to sell me this one, I want this one too. It was a laundromat that was owned by two laundromats that were owned by the same guy. And, uh, they cut me a, a good deal on the other one too. So, um, they were a mess. They were an absolute wreck. Um, I had no idea how they were going to pan out as if it's going to be a good investment or a bad investment. I just, I knew I wanted that real estate. Um, it came with a four unit apartment building that also needs a complete renovation, but, um, I ended up, uh, we ended up buying it and uh, tore the whole thing apart, all new equipment, um, redid the whole inside. It's, it's beautiful. Um, it's probably the nicest Walmart and or Walmart laundromat. In, <laughs> you bought a laundromat? Uh, yeah. <laughs> now I own a Walmart. No. Probably the nicest laundromat in 20 miles at least. Um, and 
I'm not sure yet if it's going to be a, a great investment or not. It's picking up speed every month. It makes a little bit more money. It costs about half a million dollars probably to between the renovation and the equipment. Um, so that time will tell. I'm not jumping into the other one yet. We it's this is this going to be the same project, you know, another four hundred to four hundred fifty thousand probably. It's a little smaller, um, but again, it, it's it, it, that comes back to is it going to change my life if I invest, you know, another four hundred thousand into this project? I don't know, um, and I'm not ready to do that yet. So right now, I'm just sitting on the real estate. Um, it's not costing me much. I bought it for. 32,000 bucks. So. so there is a laundromat on it that has the doors locked. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. yeah it's, okay. It's, gotcha. it's closed. Gotcha. Yeah, it's, it's a disaster. I mean, everything needs to be redone in it. So, uh, but if this one, it's other one uh, proves itself over time, maybe I'll, I'll spend the money on the other one. You know, and I want to just uh, dig in a couple more things. One, we have to thank Joe Shortstall, I think is how you say it. Joe Shoffstall. Shoff. He probably doesn't want me dropping his name. Oh, so sorry about that. We won't mention his name anymore. I'm I'm selling a house for him right now, actually. We still, I'm like, now I'm his realtor. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I I love hearing a couple of things. One, realtors typically don't become investors. So I think some of that goes back to your mindset all the way in college that you thought you were going to own a business soon. You end up doing that. You accomplish that. Um, I like the fact that, you you know, if you were to sit down and be a mentor to someone, you could teach them how to buy a business, probably how to sell a business, especially financial services. But it looks like that's not part of your future, maybe. What is the future, Brad? Because, I mean, your credentials are construction, and it looked like you bought a construction company or built one pragmatically so you could be a great flipper because you believed in the investing side. That's even a nice mindset. That's kind of how I see it. You know what I mean? That's like the uh, you, you, you two wins for every dollar you're spending there. You build a construction company. Now you get better opportunities for flips. You're a broker in real estate or, or now you have your own brokerage, but I don't necessarily know that that's your whole story going forward. It's just part of your machine you've built. You've built an empire. You have different cash flow businesses. I know you even own something else you haven't talked about, medical billing business that before we go all the way to the end of your story how did you get into medical billing practice how whatever that whatever the name of that business is uh so i wouldn't be in that business if it wasn't if it wasn't for uh beth okay um, you know we've been together 13 years and i've seen her excel um in that business and uh just she probably doesn't realize that i paid attention to when she'd come home from work and and download everything that <laughs> she's going through at work um, but I, I just realized over the years her talent and, uh, I always felt that, uh, it wasn't put to the best use. Um, she loves what she does. She's really good at it. And I've probably for a couple of years, I'm like, you should just do this for yourself. Like you work like you own the place, but you don't, um, and you don't get paid like you own the place. And she's like, no, I'm not an entrepreneur. I don't like taking risk. I love what I do. I'm just a good worker. And that's that's just, that's who I am. It's who I, I'm going to stay. And um, I was like, well, maybe I'll own the business and you'll come work for me. <laughs> um, and uh, we ended up having an opportunity. Well, she had the opportunity actually. And, and I said, uh, hey, here's your chance to, to really make something special here. Um, I said, uh, quit your job. I'll pay your salary um, out of my own cash flow. Um and uh, we, we were, she was approached by a large ENT group 
that had some issues with uh, their accounts receivable and their revenue cycle management, and they needed help. And uh, she was referred by somebody else. And uh, we ended up uh, taking them on as a client. I started this company. Um, she was my first employee. Um, then we hired somebody else that she used to work with that left to go work for somebody else um, for a while. And then we came on, I matched her salary as well. I just, we, I knew that the talent um, that she had was worth investing in. Yes. And I look for that now, like in people, like where can I find talent that I can, I can leverage to create opportunities for other people and myself, um, you know, and invest time and money into that. And uh, it's, it's, it exploded. Um, we were moving to our third location in less than two years. Um, we've outgrown two already wow. and awesome. we we have uh 15 employees and uh we, we're and it's all referral based um she uh phone just started ringing really when she left what's the name of that company client first rcm what a great name yeah and it, that's yeah we built that name around kind of um our ethos so we just that's, that's something that she felt was lacking in the business um and uh we wanted it to make it, you know, the forefront of what we did. And, you know, these doctors go to work every day to be healers and um, no, no fault of their own. And a lot of them aren't great on the business end. Sure. Um, and we handle, we handle the revenue cycle management for their, for their businesses and make sure they get paid for the work that they do. So does you also that like when you say yeah. revenue cycle, does that include the governmental payment? You know, uh, as well as yeah, the, I mean, we deal with Medicare, Medicare, Medicare Medicaid, um, all the major insurance companies. So we're the intermediary between the doctors and the surgery centers and insurance companies. So they go do their work. They give us their either an op report. We can code it if they don't code. But um, we have four or five certified coders on our team. Um, but we can code the surgeries. We can bill it correctly to the insurance company so they get paid. Um, so good. and we do uh contract negotiation with the insurance company. So every doctor has a contract with the insurers, um, on their pay scale of what they get paid. We negotiate that. We make sure they stay credentialed with all the insurances that they, they work with. We handle their accounts receivable, um, the follow-up, the denials. It's a, it's a, I mean, the insurance business is, it's, it's, it's quite a game. Um, and, and my girls know how to play it. I think we have 17 we have 15 employees and the average experience is 17 years. Come on. That's, all that's, that. wow. that's amazing. And you know what we call that human capital, you know, yeah, and I think yeah. what you're saying is you saw how talented Beth was. And I got to meet Beth a few times when you visited with us, Brad, and I, I can see what you mean. She's a woman who has, you know what? She doesn't always, uh, she's probably not going out there business developing. She's probably still waters run deep. Like with my wife, she'd rather just be a part of the room instead of jumping yeah. up and speaking, but boy, you can trust her. And I think that's probably why you built all around her talent. Yeah. That's she's awesome. a bit, she's a bit timid, but man, if you get, if you get her sitting down with a surgeon or a doctor to talk about their, their revenue cycle I and mean, she'll blow her mind. That's um, awesome. I've, I've seen it many times. It's pretty, it's pretty neat to watch. So she, uh, quarterback the negotiation with insurance company or who, yep. or who on the team does yep. that Beth yeah she she does that yeah that's her thing all right we're gonna have to get Beth on this big show John because that's a heck of a business you guys are in and, and do you think there's a future in that business are you going to let it grow maybe five times what it is now or is this where you want it to be manageable no uh we I we want to grow it um 
Yeah, quite a quite a bit. I mean, we're just getting started. I've done we, zero. We've done zero advertising. Well, we we have a lot of uh, doctors that invest with us. Listen to this yeah. show. Is this something they should reach out to you about? Because I'm telling you, uh, we yeah, we'd love to have a conversation with them. Yeah, yeah. That's give great. the give the URL again. I'm sure there's a website. Yeah, that's funny. We don't have a website. It's uh-huh. like 90% done. I, I just ran into my website developer at a networking thing last week. And I said, listen, Josh, I said, we're, uh, we're getting this website done by the end of the year. I said, I promise. Um, so it doesn't have no, to be it, it's, it's one it of those things. hundred percent perfect. And I'm, I'm like, if it's not perfect, I'm not, I'm not putting it out there. And he's like, let's just get it out there. Yeah. So we haven't needed it. I mean, we've just been, uh, you know, referral after referral, um, so we just signed two new orthopedic surgeons, um, in the last, uh, six weeks or so, and they just came from other orthopedic surgeons. So that's what we specialize in kind of, um, I would say 40 to 50% of our business might be orthopedics and physical therapy. So. Hi, this is Melanie McCallan. Josh and I are just so grateful for the many investors who have already joined us at Accountable Equity. Accountable Equity is so much more than a capital group. It's really a community of accredited investors that want to learn and grow together. I just want to personally invite you, if you want to find out more about this type of investment and see if it's right for you and your family, please visit us at accountableequity.com. You can fill out the contact form. We'll get right back to you and see if this is a great fit for you and your family. We'd love to meet you. We look forward to learning about you please visit us at accountableequity.com. Hey, it's Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning, and you're listening to Capital Hacking. Enjoy. Well, I'll ask you a question, Brad, since this is a deal real dive on capital hacking, and this is just what's great about this show, John, not that we are all specialists in medical practice, uh, medical uh, billing like you are, but you know what it gives you access to? And this is just the way I try to think out loud. It gives you access to who might want to sell their practice. And there's hundreds of people out there who would want to buy that practice. You should almost build a division of uh, mergers, acquisitions. out. There's, there's things going through my head about that. There's a lot of, uh, a lot of things I'm thinking about. I mean, I love uh, building ancillary businesses too. Like my, you know, I have a title company that's fed by my brokerage. Um, It's a great relationship. So it's uh, yeah, I love, I love those kind of, I idea. love it. I love it so much that uh, yeah. that you should make a little, you, you know, my friend, we've always had Richard Wilson on the show, who's the world's best at predicting a URL that it'd be part of a business that he's already running that later he'll use. So I'm, I'm picturing medical practice for sale or surgical centers for sale. Uh, uh, I can honor and buy that now. You should buy those or something like that. So I that, thought about starting an educational company too, where we can teach yeah. doctors how to maximize their revenues and then, and then how to invest those and stuff like accountable equity and, <laughs> um, th- you know, things like that. So it's, I mean, it's, it's true. You're around, you're around an epicenter of numerous benefits. You could be a benefit to those doctors. They could be a benefit to you. I'm not kidding. What an interesting tangent that you built. You built this as a tangent to support the talent of your lovely lady, but it, it probably with your mind and your ability to tag, like you said, accretive value add services. I'm looking forward to a big future. Like for you in real estate, why not help them buy some real estate? Cause there's nothing better that a bank wants to loan on than a medical surgical center or a medical practice. You could broker some deals, buy some practices, own the building. There's so many cool tangents you could create from this. Yeah, my guess is there's only probably one or two of our doctors that even know that I'm involved in real estate, unless they Googled me. Yeah. Maybe they could find that out. But 
um, it's not something I've talked about with anybody. So, Brad, this is really, I mean, it's really exciting, all the different things that you're doing. And we know that uh, you've been awesome with the company that you've worked with, um, uh, Realty Mark Associates. And now you're doing something very, very exciting. Uh, can you can you shed, shed a little light on, on what you're currently doing there? Yeah, so we, we're opening up a new brokerage. Uh, Mullen Realty Associates is the new name. Um, I, I know it's horrible name if I'm going to sell it. <laughs> Everyone says, well, you shouldn't have your name in there if you're going to sell it. Um, I don't really build anything with the idea that I'm going to sell it. Um, that could be an error on my part, <laughs> um, but that's not why I, I do what I do. Um, at, you know, at some point, maybe I'll cross that bridge, but I couldn't think of anything else that wasn't cheesy or already used. <laughs> um, and, and my, my name in this area, people recognize it um, sure. because of uh, the amount of real estate transactions that I do. Um, so um, I wanted to use that to its fullest advantage and it you know, worked out for Gary Keller. So <laughs> by the way, in real estate brokerage, I think names of the person or the driving team leader, it is kind of a different industry, right? Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. of all the industries, that one probably a name works, even though you, the first thing I was thinking is, Boy, it would be nice if that had a different name. But in your market, like you said, real estate's local, man. That'll that'll speed up a lot of transactions. So it's a smart idea. So I built a really high performing team, and uh, I'm going to keep running that team inside my brokerage. But um, and I'd like to help other people. You know, if they feel like they're at the point in their career where they want to get a team behind them, um, I you know I want to be able to help them do the same thing that I did. So um, that could be a neat little uh, niche for my brokerage to, to go after. Then what's next? You know what I mean? I don't know if you need anything more, but uh, it sounds like you're investing a lot of energy in the new uh, brokerage. You already are going to buy, you're always going to buy deals from your brokerage, right? That's also another tangent. Uh, value yeah. I mean, I need, I need to buy, you know, something I think every year or invest money somewhere just because uh, I don't want to get murdered in taxes. Um, I was lucky enough to to, to buy about three million dollars in, in Florida real estate in uh, 2020, 21, 22, end of 21, beginning of 22. Um, so we cost seg that, which has been been great. This year, I bought a I bought a commercial property, two commercial properties actually, where we're moving all my offices to central location. Good. Um, in, a, in a large 10 unit building, I'll cost like that. But every year I got to find something to put money into so I can, I can take advantage of the tax code. I'll tell you what, can we just explain that for a second? So we came up with a, 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 a talk. And if you want the talk, you can click us at accountable equity. We'll get you. It's called the golden carousel. And what Brad just teased you guys who, who are new to commercial real estate is it's a, it's a mind bender, right? That the IRS code was built so that if you continue to invest in the economy, locally, buildings, and whatever, somehow that is highly incentivized. That's why there's tax breaks for that. Yeah. But if you're on the other side and you're Brad, if he just designs once a year a strategic acquisition, even though he's going to use some debt, he'll get a write-off even for some of the debt portion, which will offset his cash flow liability of tax. And he could stay on this golden carousel where I always say, like, it's like the horses are going up and down the value of each property, but you just got to need to add a horse every year. 
And then there'll be the down for the depreciation, which he's using a cost segregation. Then there'll be the up on appreciation. And then next year you need to buy another horse and another horse. You just need to make a gigantic carousel. And you're going to be following the tax code perfectly, by the way. So anyway, what a concept. Not everybody understands it. So I just wanted to give you a little, you know, quickly. He's like, I got to buy real estate to pay less taxes. That's a, that's a surprise to most people, Brad. Is that what what is that what Joe taught you at first? Is that why you caught your attention? No, no, I don't. I don't. We never had those conversations. Um, I would just. I would just look at the numbers of, you know, the returns that he would get on uh, what I was providing for him and, uh, you know, the cash flow that he could get on some of his investment properties. And I was just looking at the at the at the spread there. And I was like, well, this doesn't make sense. I mean, I know you should be allocated and you know spread don't put all your eggs in one basket which that's what they preach i don't actually believe that um but uh yeah i just doubled down on real estate i i walked away from the investment world i don't own a single stock a single mutual yeah. fund um nothing all, everything i have is invested in either businesses or, or real estate and i'm okay with that because i know it inside and out um and i can control it um you know when you're investing in the stock market um unless you have inside information, you're reacting. Um, you, it's very hard to be proactive. Um, and that's why you need to allocate when you're in that, in that, in that field, because if you just, you got to spread that risk out over many different areas. Uh, but in real estate, I control it. Um, I understand it. And uh, the tax benefits just far outweigh, you know, at this point in my career, I mean, that's what I look at now is like, what, what is this going to do to my tax? To my tax uh, taxable income at the end of the year, um, and everyone you know likes to hate on Donald Trump for not paying taxes, but the whole system, the tax code is designed because they want you to invest in real estate because real estate drives the economy. Um, it's a huge economic driver. Just think about all the things that go into real estate. I mean, look at Renault. I mean, essentially, it's it's a real estate investment with multiple businesses and you got hundreds of employees that get paid that go home and spend that money on their families and in their communities and all the contractors and all the service people. And it's just, it's a huge economy. And that's what the government, that's why they put that in the tax code. Cause they want you to go out and they want you to stimulate the economy by buying real estate. So I'm happy to do it. I love it. I'm happy to do what right. I said. Thank you. Thank you so much for all the wisdom that you brought today and the energy and, and everything that you've taught us. Um, where can our listeners connect with you? I'm on Facebook. Um, just, I don't know my handle. Um, if you would have told me to be prepared for this, I could get it to you. Um, I have a website, bradmullensells.com. That's uh, B-R-A-D-M-U-L-L-E-N-S-E-L-L-S.com. Um, you can go on there. You could you could you could find uh, some information on there about my real estate company and what we're doing. But um, yeah, I mean, Facebook is my social media or my email, mullen four eight five at gmail dot com. You can reach out to me. I'm glad to talk to anybody about pretty much Very everything. Very kind of you, buddy. So, you're a heck of a you're a heck of an entrepreneur, and I love the way you do it one step at a time. I'm glad you're thinking about how to get two wins out of every deal you're doing. Um, that's so much like what we try to teach in the mindset of capital hacking. So uh, thank you for doing all that in real life, man. Thank yeah, you, Brad. Great, great talking to you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day. Hey, bud. We'll talk to you soon. Brother. See you. Cheers.
bam, straight. We just got, yeah, to buddy. We got to the end of another great show. And everyone listening right now, you're the family. Family and friends, fun. thanks for staying till the end. That was so fun. And hey, hit the like, hit subscribe. We're here to serve you guys. That's why we're doing this show. Josh is not paying me. I'm doing this off of my quote unquote sweat equity because we want to make a difference in your life. And then that ripple effect will continue to touch the world. Hey, amen, brother. Please check us out on capitalhacking.com, all the social media threads. And yes, I know you've probably already sent this episode to one of your best friends. Thank you. We love <laughs> you. Just, just go right into your iPhone, hit the plus symbol. We'll talk to you later. See you next week. Share, share, share. <laughs>